Hi, my name is Pasha Marlowe, and this is the Let Pleasure Be the Measure podcast. We are going to have so much fun together. I hope that our conversations about pleasure light you up. And I hope they inspire you to reclaim your desires and create more space in your day to bring pleasure into your work, your family life, and yes, even your sex life. We will practice and explore the art of pleasure together. Let's play. Hello, everybody. Pasha Marlowe here, and this is the Let Pleasure Be the Measure podcast. I am excited to bring you today's guest, Jen Palco. Jen is a solopreneur, a content creator, and the author of the new book, 12-Step Guide for the Self-Help Book Addict. Jen comes from a corporate world and world of pharmaceuticals and then became an acupuncturist and pivoted a 180 and is here today to talk to us about all things purpose and spirituality. And we're just going to get into it. And uh, yeah, I'm so glad you're here, Jen. Thank you for having me here. I'm excited as well. Yes. So I often, when I remember to ask my guests, have them define for themselves, like, what does pleasure mean to you? Uh, You know, it's for a lot of people, I think pleasure, they hear the word pleasure and they just think of sex, sexual pleasure. Um, To me, I mean, it's just kind of this filling your heart up, kind of this expansive feeling, just something that makes you feel good, but not on a superficial level, makes your spirit feel good, I would say. So it could be sexual, it could be, you know, physical, or it could be non-physical. It could be, you know, just anything you do, the small little things you do in your day or just talking to somebody that, that, you know, really lift you up. Yeah. I love that you bring the the spiritual aspect of that up because um, it's something that we don't often talk about on this podcast. And I'm really excited that I know you're very soulful and spirit led. So I'm excited to, to have those conversations. Would you say that even when you were in the corporate world and, and working with pharmaceuticals, were you feeling spiritual then, or is this a new adventure for you? No, not at all. Um, you know, I grew up going to Catholic school for up until college. So about 12, 13 years. And, you know, to this day, the word word spiritual still creeps me out, like scares me. So I don't, I don't know. It just has this effect. And I don't know if that's just my upbringing and just, you know, having nuns and it's like God and really pushing religion, but religion is not, spirituality is not religion. And I bring this up a lot in a lot of my content and stuff where people get the wrong idea. They think spirituality means meditating up on a mountain, or it means, going to church or are they associated with, with things like religion, but it's not, it's about finding yourself and your purpose. So back when I worked in the corporate world, I really kind of blocked that part of myself out, I would say. And it was kind of like this rebellious thing that I went through for many years too. It's like, Oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not spiritual. Like God, you know, what the hell. Right. (laughs) And then it's taken me many years to come around and realize that, I was coming at it from a completely different angle. And um, and it's really about finding your authentic self and your authentic place and really being in alignment to that. So it's not about 
meditating or how much you can, I don't know, meditate for hours and stuff like that. It's not about that at all. Mm. I, I like that. And I've, I've, myself kind of shied away from talking about spirituality because I don't have a religious upbringing and I have the expectation when somebody says, are you spiritual? Of course, automatically, I think, no, I don't really identify with a certain religion. I don't go to church. I'm not even very strong in my uh, belief of, of, of God as I learned it. And, and yet, if you define it as you're defining it, I re- resonated with everything you just said. And that's quite liberating to, to know that the definition is, is expansive and that it's really our own limiting beliefs that keep us from right. allowing ourselves to feel spiritual. Yeah. It's the meaning we give to the word spirit, right? It sounds so woo, spirit, but we all have it within us. It's just our heart. It's our essence. It's who we are as a person. Mm -hmm. So take the spirit out of it. And it's just, I don't know, it's just finding our place in this world, this crazy world. Yes. I like that idea of alignment. Sometimes I feel in alignment, like my purpose and my passion and my personality are all aligned. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily when I'm doing my work. It's like you mentioned, if you're talking to a stranger and all of a sudden you just feel, this is me, this is me being kind to another person or holding the door for another person or paying for somebody's toll. And this is what the world is about. This is life. And and that's when I feel spiritually aligned. I guess. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So important. Yeah. And so considering you wrote a book about self-help books, I can only imagine how many you've read. Do you call yourself a self-help book addict? Um, ex-addict. Okay. <laughs> I would hope, I guess. I don't know. I'm, I'm probably still an addict, uh, recovering, recovering addict. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, it started, you know, the movie, The Secret probably. Yes, I did. Law of attractions, like this big thing. Well, I found it years later before it was popular Mm. or after it was popular rather. And I don't know, just randomly stumbled upon it. And it kind of opened my mind. And this is going to sound really corny, but it was like, oh, law of attraction, you know? And um, I literally bought up every single book I could find about it. And this is kind of where my addiction started. (laughs) I mean, I've read self-help books previously, you know, obviously, but, um, you know, it was kind of law of attraction, quantum physics. I got so interested in it. And this basically opened up a doorway to more of the spiritual aspect, but I was just collecting book after book after book and reading this. And they all said the same exact thing, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was coming at it from a superficial level, trying to get things or manifest things into my world. And it was all from a place of desire and neediness and, Uh, if you've ever really been into law of attraction, you know, that you have to, there's a point where you have to surrender and you have to release. And this is where everybody gets caught up, you know, Mm. in it. And, um, and that's what I did. I just bought up every single book and it led to other self-help books. And before I knew it, I had a big collection of books. You can see behind me, I have all the books (laughs) that it's just, I don't know, uh, just books that are all saying the same thing with exercises that I would never do because I was too lazy to do them and just nothing changing in my physical reality. Like I was still in the same place doing the same things. And, um, and what really inspired me to write this book was, you know, I thought of the title before actually the content of the book Uh, and the content started with just journaling, like daily I'd go to the Barnes and Noble and I would just journal and I would write 10 pages a day. And 
just stuff that was going through my head. And it eventually turned into this book where I said, hey, you know what? I want to help other people like me who have collections of dusty books yes. that, that, you know, they're just like addicted to reading them, but nothing is actually changing for them. Like there's nothing, action. right. Mm-hmm. There's no action. There's nothing going on. It's just this stagnant yes. uh, thing going on. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of where it started. Yeah. And when I say action, it's so funny, you know, we say, Oh goodness, action is going to sound like productivity. I'm not trying to say people need yeah. to over-functioning or highly productive, but but if you want to manifest something, you also want to start being it or and thinking it and mm-hmm. acting, acting upon it. And so what was the catalyst moment for you where you went from reading all these self-help books to actually doing something different and making change in your life? I don't know. I think I just woke up one day and I was like, I'm just, I just keep doing the same shit. <laughs> I just keep <laughs> yeah. doing the same stuff. And um nothing is really, I don't know. I just felt really stuck. Yeah, it was really, really stuck in my career, just Mm -hmm. money, not coming in, just personally feeling like I'm always needing and I'm always chasing people and things and Mm -hmm. waiting for opportunities to just fall in my lap and then they never come. So I think really it was the waiting game and me being impatient and saying, well, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. Why is nothing happening? And that's because me putting out there that I'm just right. Like waiting for something is just going to result in more waiting. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. We're talking yeah. about talking about our problems. Doesn't make them go away. I always talk about what's a small habit you can change? How can you interrupt a pattern in any way? And so the day or days you woke up just feeling stuck in this rut and in this pattern, do you remember what the first different thing was that you did or the first original thought you had? Uh, When I said I'm attaching, Mm. I'm attaching and I can't let go. Why can't I let go? Mm. And just noticing that. Yeah. 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 And was this when you were in corporate America as a pharmaceutical rep or when you were? No, this was, this was many years later. This was actually, yeah, my, I'm 39 years old now. So it was probably mid thirties. It really wasn't that long ago. So it was really my, my thirties, even though it started this process of finding myself and looking for more meaning, Mm -hmm. it was still repeating the cycle of like, so looking and searching and attaching to things outside of me. Right. So I think it wasn't until maybe two or three years ago where I discovered that it's got to come from inside of me, like how I'm feeling inside. If I'm feeling unworthy, if I'm feeling um, like I'm not accepted, where is that coming from? Mm-hmm. And usually it's coming from early on in life, you know, how we grow up, our parents, criti- yeah. criticisms that we're receiving, either whether it's in school or whatever it is. Um, this stuff starts so young from a very young age and yeah. it's just like ingrained in us. And then it shows up in our thirties or forties or fifties. Mm-hmm. And we're like, what the hell? Yeah. Why is this pattern? Like I can't, so you have to recognize it. It's all about awareness first. You have to recognize the pattern first before you can break it. Because if you don't, if you're not aware of yourself in your own body, right. Then 
it's, it's just going to keep going and going and going. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I draw it out like a circle, like the hamster wheel circle, you know, when I shut down, uh, you know, my, my husband gets defensive and when he gets defensive, I get angry. And then when I get angry, uh, he shuts down. (laughs) Like we keep circling around each other. Um, and so changing the patterns of interaction and trying one small thing. And, and even if it is raising your awareness to your patterns, that's, that's going to be huge. Um, and you mentioned that you grew up in in a Catholic home, um, surrounded by nuns. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not in my home. I wasn't surrounded by nuns, but yeah. And, um, do you feel like the, that impacted you? Cause what you're mentioning now feels like there's some kind of deep seated, underlying shame that held you back and it's in all of us of course but i but i hear this a lot uh from people who have a religious upbringing a traditional religious upbringing or any religious trauma so i'm just curious what you feel like the impact of that was for you i'm i'm sure it did because it was all i knew pretty much Mm -hmm. you know my parents wanted me to uh go to a catholic school because they thought that i would turn out better than the kids who went to a public school, you know, mm, because they had better turn out better. They, yeah. There were, there were kind of these underlying racism, prejudice, you know, because of how they grew up. And yes. stuff. So it transfers over. So, um, you know, Catholic school, I went after, you know, they were hitting kids with rulers and stuff like that. So it wasn't terrible, but there was, there was this degree of just like, this is how things are. Like the school is mostly white (laughs) and, Mm -hmm. you know, you you didn't see a lot of variety and Mm -hmm. obviously being made to go to church and having crazy nuns and um, just, I don't know. It was just kind of my only, Mm -hmm. only thing that I knew. And then when I got to college, which was no longer Catholic, um, I went crazy, you know, partying and just doing whatever. And, um, and I was like, wow, this is so freeing, you know, this is so mm. freeing not being this way. But I mean, it wasn't like a very, very strict Catholic upbringing, but I'm sure it, it definitely had effects on just how I was thinking, how I was conforming, um, yes. you know, my sexuality, you know, mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't come out to my family until I was in my early thirties. So that was another thing, not even recognizing who I was mm-hmm. uh, from a sexual standpoint mm-hmm. um, and kind of getting inklings in high school, but never really, never really doing anything about it. Right. Like, it was there, but I didn't really think anything of it. And it wasn't until later where I'm starting to expand myself and my thinking that um, I felt more of the pressure to come out and be more of who I am. Yes. And so coming out Catholic, that, that, that could, that could be a whole uh, a podcast in and of itself. Right. Um, to your family, did it go as expected? Um, no, <laughs> I, mean, I, I knew they weren't going to be happy about it. So I came out in 2015. Um, and you know, when you come out to your family, you play it in your head a billion times. Uh, all the different scenarios, all the different ways that it could go. And really that doesn't serve too much of a purpose because you just don't know how it's going to go down. Um, but I was feeling pressure. You know, I was, I was with somebody at the time up until that point, basically all my relationships um, and I've dated men too, mm-hmm. you know, initially, but um, 
now women, <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, up until that point, I would hide all my relationships. I would keep secrets. I mean, I was in a seven year relationship with a woman um, that was completely hidden from my family, didn't know anything about. And um, when I came out to them, yeah, it wasn't what I expected. It mm -hmm. was very harsh. They did not take it. They basically played the victim and said some really nasty things to me. Um, just, well, there's the usual stuff like, oh, we think you're confused. And was it something that we did? And now we're not going to have grandkids. And uh, we wish you were asexual. That was a weird one. <laughs> and it was, that would be easier for them. if you Right, right. And even like as the days went on, I said, okay, they're going to come around. They're going to come around. And, you know, I remember my mother walking upstairs one day and, and um, I thought, okay, she's, she's going to say, you know, we, we don't love it, but we love you anyway. But no, she said, uh, and I quote, you know, we still think you're confused and we wish uh, you never told dad and myself. And that was really, really hit me hard. That's but at the same time, it was freeing. It was completely freeing. I know I had to do it because mm -hmm. I was in a place where I was so stuck. And it, um, even though they didn't like it, I mean, it's been years now and um, our relationship is, is fine. We don't talk about it you know, like some families do, but it is what it is. Like, I think it's going to be different for every person. You can't change other people, especially their views, but you have, I guess, a obligation to yourself mm -hmm. to be yourself. Absolutely. If you really feel like you are stuck in a place mm -hmm. and some people are hidden in the closet, they never come out and maybe they don't want to, maybe they don't need to. But for some people, it's kind of this nagging, it's almost like uh, like a tag that's bothering you on your shirt. <laughs> and that's it keeps a great analogy. itching you and itching you. And this is something that can last for years and years and years. And eventually you get a big rash, right? Or something right. or hives or something. Um, so it's something where you feel like if there's something completely misaligned or there's something really stuck inside, you feel like a heavy weight you know, just getting over the fact of trying to change other people and their reaction. I mean, you can only change your own reaction. You can only control your own reaction, right? Yes. So what somebody else says to you, you, it can only have meaning for you if you give it meaning. Right. You know what I mean? A lot of this stuff is ingrained and yeah. words can be really harsh and they can cut us like a knife. But at the end of the day to say, well, you know, am I happy? Yes. Like, you know, what, what's, yeah. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by Krista Hoppala, sexologist and consciousness guide. I am proud to say that Krista is my own personal sexologist, the woman I turn to when I need to refresh my own pleasure practices. I highly recommend her to my clients and friends. Her website is kristahapala.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-A-H-A-A-P-A-L-A.com. Lots of A's, or as I say, lots of ahs. It's all pleasure with this woman. Check her out.
and certainly um, having being, living this situation and knowing so many women who are coming out later in life, later in life could mean any number for depending on who you're talking to. But as adults, you know, we're going to lose people. You know, some people lose yeah. their families over it. Some people lose their friend circle. Um, and there's this, like you said, aspect of um, surrendering to it and and feeling like it's it's more um, important to to lift that weight and to release yourself from the shame that you hold in the secret holding this as holding a secret is exhausting right and it's 24 7 even when you're sleeping kind of accumulating yeah it can lead to disease in your body exactly. and I come from a holistic background and it's like yes. You know, anything you repress and you bury and you bury and you bury, it's just kind of like boiling. It's like a, you know, a pot you put the lid on that's boiling water. It's eventually going to either explode or it's going to turn into sink deeper into like a depression. Um, It's going to start affecting you, having manifested um, like physical Mm -hmm. symptoms and and stuff like that. So it's really, really important. Yes. For for me, it came out as um, hip pain. Uh, chronic stomach pain yeah. and um, and inflammation and and weight gain. It was like a, almost a my body was um, kind of self sabotaging myself to to be so miserable I couldn't um, didn't even have time to consider my desires or pleasures. You know, so it it was just a, almost a self fulfilling prophecy. I made it. You know, yeah, so, so much about the suffering um, until that day and. Um, this leads me to the, one of my favorite quotes, Anise Nin. And then the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. I love and that. Yeah, it, yeah. I think of that quote all the time. And it, it's similar to your boiling pot analogy or the tag. It's just like at a certain point, you're just like, I can't live with this anymore. And what am I really afraid of? I mean, if the fear is that we're going to have an uncomfortable conversation with our parents, which you did, mm-hmm. and you you survived that, you know, yeah. and <laughs> I'm still then, here, yeah. Then is the next fear of death? Uh, I don't know, or you know, the, nobody's going to ever want to be friends with us again. Or it's just so interesting to say, well, what am I really afraid of? And then realize <laughs> that <laughs> most people won't care. <laughs> Most people, it's a non-issue. And every time I find myself fearing what other people will think or how it will be perceived, I talk to a child because they're, they don't come out of the womb with preconceived notions. They're just, it's all love. It all makes sense. Yeah. And um, so, yes, I, I very much enjoy talking to my children about. Yeah, they're in the most authentic, authentic place. Absolutely. The ego comes in later in life. And yes, it's almost like we're, we have tentacles and we're just like attaching to all these different dogmas and beliefs. And yeah, like you said, what, what is the worst thing, you know, is somebody going to jump out with a knife at you? And I mean, they could, but is that really going to have, I mean, you kind of have to weigh your, your options, you know? And, um, well, and I want to be super sensitive to, um, to straight privilege and perceived straight privilege, um, which even if we're living as bisexual or queer, whatever you identify as, it might still from the outside sometimes look like, 
you know, a white woman with straight privilege. But mm-hmm. I also want to be really sensitive to uh, trans friends out there who really do have a fear of, of danger and safety. And, um, and that how brave to know that, that those dangers exist. Absolutely. And still, yeah. still be so relentless in truth telling. Um, so yeah, the more I tiptoe, uh, into this, uh, LGBTQ plus community, the, the more I'm inspired every single day by, by people's willingness to be, to be vulnerable in service to themselves and others, knowing that they're, they're really part of this, uh, change and, and that us all stepping out in our truths for me through my book, for you, even just here on this podcast, talking about it it's out, we're liberating somebody else to say something to somebody. And it might not be their parents or their children right away, but maybe they write it down for the first time. Maybe they're going to Barnes and Noble today and writing in their journal. I might consider talking about coming out. Maybe I'm just thinking about it. I'm just going to talk about thinking about it. You know, and it's just yeah. like small, tiny steps of raising our awareness. Yeah. And you know what it was for me that really pushed me over the edge. It was two things, actually. I was going to a therapist because I had years long with binge eating issues Mm -hmm. and they went away for a little while, but then they started coming back. And this was about the time where I was feeling stuck. Like I needed to do Mm -hmm. something and I didn't know what. And my therapist was like, you you don't have a binge eating problem. She's like, you're 32, 33 years old and you haven't come out to your family yet. And I was like, okay, okay. I don't like what I'm hearing because I don't want to do it, but but okay, that makes a little bit of sense, right? Eating to kind of fill that void, right? Yeah. And then uh, on the other aspect, I had a friend who was very like, I have a friend, her name is Amanda. She's a, just always like gives me a push in the ass and uh, like, okay, you need to set a date. <laughs> you know, same with when I moved in with my girlfriend here, uh, you need to set a date and you're telling your family that you're moving out, you know, and I did it. And sometimes it's reaching out to somebody else Um, whether it's a therapist or whether it's just a friend, like a good friend of yours who you trust. And sometimes they give you that little kick in the ass that you need Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. sometimes we're so scared. We're so stuck. We want to do it, but we need something to kind of push us off that cliff. And I think setting a date is like, that's this action step we're talking about in manifesting. You know, if you give yourself a, a date and maybe in the end, that date doesn't ultimately uh, feel right, but at least you're setting it. So you're setting that goal of saying, okay, on this day, um, more action will certainly take place if you do that. And then I love that you had a friend who is holding you accountable to it and going to be a soft place to land if the shit hit the fan. Um, So yeah, I think that's beautiful. And do you think you would have come out to your family had you not already entered into a relationship with a woman? Um. I, I'm sure I would have down the line um, because I, I feel like, you know, nothing external of us can really make us happy in the end. So if something is really, if you're totally misaligned to who you are, that your spirit recognizes that your authentic self recognizes that. So if you're just going through your life, sure, you can put blinders on, you can do all the superficial things, but you know who you are on the inside, like, you know, your truth. You can't mm-hmm. hide that no matter how much you distract yourself with things on the outside or relationships or money or, or whatever it is. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're still going to go to bed and you're still going to have those moments of silence 
where that part of you is, is coming out. I mean, I don't know. I could, I could be wrong on that where people can really repress it and um, but it's still there. It's still inside of you. I, I think, I think you're onto something. I think at yeah. night, nighttime is the hardest and the silence is deafening and the screaming in our heads, even when we're sleeping is yeah. happening. And in the daytime, we could distract ourselves so much easier with, mm-hmm. you know, everything. Um, so I know for me, I had, I had chronic insomnia uh, since 2001 and it's slowly now my books only come out a couple weeks ago. So, and I have only come out a couple weeks ago now. So it's, but I'm slowly feeling even that lifting. Like my dreams are less, um, of a struggle. There's, there's less uh, turmoil in them. Um, some of them are even pleasant and I don't wake up feeling nauseous anymore. It's fascinating to me how much in our subconscious we hold. Absolutely. And, uh, and how freeing it is. And, uh, and it's like you, it didn't play out as I, as I thought it would. I think I wrote a couple sentences in the book where what if I publish this book and everything changes that's scary. What if I publish this book and nothing changes? Mm-hmm. Like that's worse for me. Right. Yeah. And so I'm sure there's people listening and thinking their world is going to fall apart if they speak this truth, particularly if they're in a heterosexual heteronormative marriage and they're, they want to come out to their, to their partners. Um, I have not yet heard a story where the world fell apart there's difficult conversations and sometimes the marriages um, are complete and more often than not, there's some very creative options out there for people to explore. So I just want people to know that it's not, there's not only one option and there's actually hundreds of them. And your experience is going to be completely different uh, from, from mine and it, completely different from everybody else's. So, Absolutely. but one person, if you could tell one person and start to let it out of your body a little bit so that it's not blocked yeah. um, and stuck in there. Yeah. You got to get, get the ball rolling essentially. Yes. Right? And as, as a previous acupuncturist, are you still uh, identify as an acupuncturist. <laughs> I'm still licensed. Yeah. I'm not in practice right now because of, you know, COVID, yeah. and stuff, but and, I'm also going through evolutions. Yeah. And so, um, I'm just curious how, if that came up for you a lot in your practice where people were holding on to past trauma or secrets and shame and, and how you were able to move through I'm not sure I'm going to get the terminology right. The meridians uh, through acupuncture. Is that, is that correct? Or yeah. Yeah. I mean, basically rebalancing your body, um, Mm -hmm. getting yourself back into alignment. Uh, You know, I, I worked in um, like a drug and alcohol detox for, for a long Mm -hmm. time. And, you know, you would think, okay, acupuncturist, you're just treating the physical symptoms of withdrawal and stuff like that. But probably 95% of the people, it was anxiety, it was depression. It was, they're using drugs or heroin or whatever it is to cover something up, whether it's a trauma or whether it's them feeling out of alignment or they came from a family who abused them or something like that. So everybody always, and this is why I really am empathetic towards anybody who has addiction issues or or knows somebody Um, because at the end of the day, we're all human beings just trying to 
survive, right? It's our natural instinct to try to survive. So what do we do for protection? We bury stuff or we put up a shield and we close off our heart and um, really peeling back the layers. And it's not easy to be vulnerable. It's not easy to bring up old memories or, or stuff that um, have really, you know, caused somebody to go down a road of whether it's drug use or alcohol use or eating or, or whatever it is, you know, to protect themselves. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's something you have to be aware of. You have to face in order to rebalance yourself, in order to be aligned to who you are. You know, you can't just keep stuffing it down. And I'll keep saying that because it's, um, it's really something that can take a toll on you later in life. Yes. And at the end of the day, it's like, well, yes, I can be physically harmed. I can be emotionally harmed, but what is, I guess you have to weigh the options with it. And it's like, by me just bearing this and living my life in a very superficial way and never healing myself mm-hmm. from the inside out, mm-hmm. it's um, like, what, what's the point? You know, what am I doing? Yeah. And I think the addictions don't always look like the addictions. I, for a long time, I thought addiction meant just drugs and alcohol. And then if we expand that, like you just said, into food, and what if we expand that into people addicted to their work to avoid their emotions, people addicted to exercise Mm -hmm. to avoid their emotions. And so just to be aware for all the listeners out there, like, wonder if I have an addiction and and wonder, you know, is it hard to sit in stillness with your own thoughts? Is it hard to stand in a grocery store line waiting for two people ahead of you and not be distracted and look at your phone? Because I'm pretty sure we're own all at this point, phone addicted. (laughs) I was just going to say social media addicted. You know, it's, it's not, yeah, it's not something that's going to kill you, but it's something that you right. need to be aware of that it's, it's a problem right now. It's, it's telling. Like you said, you can't stand in line without looking at your phone. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's, oh, it's so fascinating, but I love that you're coming at it with, with compassion. And of course the title of your book, 12 step is I'm sure something about addictions is within the book and your experience um, in the drug and alcohol centers. I, I'm, I'm excited to read the book. I think it sounds um, very relatable and um, perfect for this time uh, where we're all consumed by healing and fixing ourselves and trying to finally find ourselves and finally feel better and then doing the thing we think will work and still not feeling content in ourselves. So, right. And, and that's what I talk about in my book a lot is that we're not broken. Like we don't need to be fixed. We don't need anything on the outside to fix us. Like we have all we need inside. And I know that sounds really corny and sounds really, I, I don't know, but it, it's, it really is true. Like it has to start from the inside out. And a lot of times it's because we don't love ourselves enough or we don't give ourselves what we're seeking from other people. Yes. When we're trying to attach, when we're trying to distract ourselves. So, you know, if, if it's all about shifting our perspective on it, our perception on it, on life in general, 
Yes. And just because we've always done things a certain way, it's that doesn't mean we can't think a different way or we can't expand ourselves in a different way. Or like you said, there's so many options out there, doorways mm-hmm. that we can't even doors that we can't even see, right? That are that are waiting to be open for us. Yes. And um yeah, so it's it's not about fixing anything. It's mm-hmm. not about fixing anything. It's about getting in alignment to who we really are. Yes. Our true and- our true authentic self. And all you need already lies within you. Right. Yeah. Well, Jen, this has been a fantastic conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm sure there's going to be people out there who want to get a hold of you, read your book, learn about your work. What's the best way for people to reach you? Uh, well, I'm on all social medias, uh, Instagram, Jen underscore Palco. Uh, my website is jenpalco.com. So you can find my book on there, but it's also on barnesandnoble.com, Amazon, all, all the good websites out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, Jen Palco. So I'm, I'm around. <laughs> I'm around. Yes. I found it very easy to find you with your name alone, P-A-L-K-O. It's a, it's a great to have an unusual name. Same with me. If you want to reach me, very easy. Pasha Marlowe on Facebook, on Instagram, on Clubhouse, my website, PashaMarlow.com. So keeping it simple, um, if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe or review or share. All the things are so appreciated, especially as we're just starting off. And um, I thank you so much, Jen, for, for coming in and having this thank you. Um, I appreciate thought- it thoughtful and expansive. My favorite. Um, I, love, I love your book, by the way. Oh, thank you. For anybody out there who has not read it yet, I highly, highly recommend it. It's awesome. Especially if you are thinking of maybe coming out or even if not. Thank you. Great non-straight. It's a great book. Thank you. I, I forget sometimes to remember. <laughs> I wrote a book. Um, yes. My next husband will be a lesbian is the name of the book. Although I always say, or not, because I could change my mind any fucking time. So yes. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much, Jen. I look forward to talking to you and seeing you soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Mm -hmm.